Today, we're going to travel east to revisit the amazing nation of India, where our ministry was invited to be part of very many colorful gospel festivals. In places like India and Pakistan, I enjoy telling everyone that I'm an evangelist of the empty tomb in Jerusalem. It's an honor to tell the nations that there are many prophets in this world, but only one has an empty tomb, and his name is Jesus. Yeshua is his name in Hebrew. And by being raised from the dead, he was declared to be Lord. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. I'm Christine Dark. Don't be surprised that a woman is an evangelist of Jesus' empty tomb. In fact, the first evangelist of the empty tomb was a woman, Mary Magdalene. She was more devoted to the Lord than most of his disciples. So it was to Mary Magdalene that the Lord appeared on resurrection morning first. And Jesus gave her the responsibility to tell the good news of his resurrection to his disciples, that he was indeed risen from the dead. She was an apostle to the apostles. Well, an Orthodox Jew asked me an intriguing question on Facebook. He actually quoted the New Testament. He quoted the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, verse 17, where Jesus said, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils, they'll lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. The Orthodox Israeli said, if Jesus is the Son of God, why are so many Christians sick? Why are the hospitals so full? And I answered, the fault is never with Jesus. The fault is never with the Lord. The reason why people are not walking in gospel power is because of unbelieving believers. But I sincerely hope you're not an unbelieving believer so that the things that we're going to share in this program will actually stick in your spirit and encourage you to walk in faith and to accomplish exploits, the works of the Lord. In one of my daily Bible readings, I read the story of Jacob at Bethel, and it's the familiar account of how Jacob fell asleep and had a dream of a ladder reaching up to heaven with angels ascending and descending on the ladder. And when he awoke, Jacob said, This is surely the house of God in the very gate of heaven. And we declare this channel to be such a gateway to heaven, an open heaven of biblical revelation. We're here to strengthen your faith in God. The message of the cross of Jesus is not only eternal salvation for ourselves, but also we need to remember that the atonement of Jesus includes healing of our bodies and healing of mental distresses. Philip the Evangelist in the book of Acts is a great example of a New Testament-style evangelist in the true sense of the meaning of the word. He preached Christ. And what was the result? Demons came out of people, and they were healed of all manner of diseases when he preached Messiah. And as a result of his preaching, cripples walked. Why should we settle for anything less than a New Testament-style evangelism? Well, in our open-air gospel campaigns, that's exactly what we've seen happen. 
By the grace of God, cripples have walked and dark spirits have come out of people. I want to build your faith by recounting some of the healings that took place in the gospel meetings that my husband and I have conducted in Asia and elsewhere. For example, for women who were crippled or paralyzed in various limbs for different reasons, were all restored. They had been suffering from accidents, the ravages of polio, or from acute weaknesses. Various eye ailments had been healed. A mute boy began to speak for the first time. And a young woman who had lost her voice began to speak again. Also two women who were suffering from an issue of blood, just like the woman who was healed in the Gospels. They came forward to testify that they were healed and that the issues of blood had dried up. And a married woman who couldn't get pregnant had a baby after prayer. You see, it's a big deal for an Asian or a Middle Eastern or African woman to be barren. In the West, it's not the stigma that it is elsewhere. Many are desperate for prayer to be able to conceive a baby. Barrenness is listed in the Bible as a curse, according to Deuteronomy chapter 28. But the gospel is good news. Jesus became a curse for us upon the cross so that a divine transfer took place. We don't have to bear sickness. The curses of the law came upon Jesus as our substitute. When we repent of our sins and believe the gospel, it's a new day and all things become possible for believers. Also in our gospel campaigns in Asia and elsewhere, a man with kidney stones was healed and a woman who had suffered kidney disease for four years was healed. Symptoms of TB disappeared. And a lady whose hand was crippled in a road accident was healed. A woman who suffered from demons and continual nightmares was delivered. The peace of the Lord was upon her face. It was so amazing. Cases of asthma were healed and the symptoms, the allergies just disappeared. Many who had suffered from symptoms of heart disease said they were relieved of those symptoms. Hallelujah. A woman with injuries because she had been beaten by her husband was also healed. I'll share with you a few video highlights from India, but first I'd like to share with you also what I often share in our open-air meetings about the first healing miracle in my ministry that happened many years ago in the little town of Bethlehem where Jesus was born. There was a shopkeeper there, an old Hodge, who had made the pilgrimage to Mecca, and we often bargained together, but one day I was distressed to hear that the old man was ill. And his wife beckoned to me. She asked me if I knew of a good doctor. Of course, this was the perfect opportunity to mention Jesus. So I said, of course, I know the great physician. And the good news is he makes house calls 24-7. And I said, if you'll permit me to lay hands on your husband in the name of Jesus, I believe he will be healed. Now, of course, this was a step of faith for me because up to this point, I had never really laid hands on anybody in the name of Jesus to be healed. Although the gospel says this is a sign that will follow all believers, everyone who believes. So in the name of Jesus, I dared to lay my hand on him. They gave me permission to do so. I didn't shake him. I didn't pray in a loud voice, be healed. I just quietly prayed in the name of Jesus, be healed of this infirmity because he was suffering from lung cancer and he was a chain smoker. 
He was literally gasping for every breath. Well, what do you think happened? Of course, when we start to move out for the Lord, our faith has to be tested. So as I left, he was still gasping for breath, and it didn't look like anything had happened. And of course, Satan sat on my shoulder and said that I had made a fool of myself and that I had made a fool of the Lord, that Christianity would not be proven, it could not be demonstrated. But I had the presence of mind to say, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense. The word of God says we will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So I stood my ground and hallelujah, a few days later, one of this dear man's sons came running to me to say the good news that he had been taken to the hospital to have his lung removed, but because he had been feeling so much better, they decided first to do an x-ray and lo and behold, they declared him to be totally healed. He didn't need the operation and he was delivered from chain smoking for the rest of his life. Praise the Lord. God does honor our faith when we step out and the Lord wants us to step out. We must take on board the Bible concept that after all, Jesus is a willing healer. In Mark chapter 1, that's one of the most important passages about healing in the New Testament. A leper came to Jesus and he said, I know you're able. I know as Lord, you're capable of healing me. But the leper said, are you willing to heal me? And then Jesus forever put to rest the question of God's will to heal because he demonstrated God's will in his actions by actually stretching forth his hand and touching the unclean leper. And Jesus said, I am willing. I want to heal you. Never forget, Jesus is the willing healer, and the leper was made whole. So please, don't let there be a question mark over the Lord's desire to heal. Because the Bible says He never changes. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever, He's just as willing to heal you today as He was to heal in the Bible days. The same reason Lord Jesus, who was willing to heal the leper, is omnipresent by the power of the Holy Spirit, He's with me and he's with you. And he's willing and able to heal you now if you will reach out to him in faith. The only Bible condition is that we believe the word that we put our trust in him, the great physician, that we repent of our sins, which brings sickness and disease. Sometimes healing comes through the laying on of hands, such as the case that I just mentioned that took place in Bethlehem. But sometimes the Lord just heals because of his presence, such as in our great open-air meetings when we don't have time or room to lay hands on everyone, but his presence is there to heal the people. And here's a wonderful, one of my favorite testimonies in our ministry, a deaconess from England came on one of our ministry trips to Israel, and she was gloriously healed by walking on our prayer walk on the ramparts of the old city walls of Jerusalem. No one laid hands on her, she just came in faith, and she received two brand new kneecaps. And when she returned to London, she did not have to undergo an operation for knee replacement, even though the operation was scheduled. Well, praise the Lord. Psalm 103, one of my favorite psalms, describes the benefit package of believers. Bless the Lord, O my soul, who forgives all of our iniquities, 
who heals all of our diseases. Now, I want you to notice the progression in the song. Forgiveness of our sins comes before healing of our diseases. Why is that? Because of the principle also mentioned in Psalm 66, verse 18, which declares, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Another translation of that verse would be, If I watched sin in the theater of my mind, the Lord will not answer me. So we have to be sure that we've got a clean record with God, and then we can come boldly to his throne of grace to receive his healing in time of need. But in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35, this is something very important. Jesus mentions in this chapter a parable, telling us in this parable that unforgiveness is deadly. It's dangerous because it opens the door to torment. So don't be turned over by the Lord to the tormentors if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart. We prayed for an Israeli woman who was in a wheelchair. Her son had been captured by enemy forces and absolutely brutalized. She was in pain for years in agony about what had happened to her son, and she was full of resentment and unforgiveness. But one day when we came to pray for her, she wanted prayer for healing, and she had made a conscious decision to release forgiveness to those tormentors, not because they deserved it, but because God requires it in his word in order for us to be free. Well, she, of her own free will, released forgiveness, and when we anointed her with oil and prayed, she said she felt chains, literally chains that were binding her in the sickness, fall off her body. She had been on morphine and was taking medicine for numerable illnesses. And she had even ceased to have the body of a normal woman of her age. All of the life force seemed to be dried up. She was skin and bones. But after she forgave her son's tormentors, she was in a place to be healed. And she was delivered from the bitter torment of unforgiveness. Today, she has a ministry to those who have been brutalized or whose family members had been terrorized, all because she was willing to forgive. Glory to the Lamb of God. However, and this is an important point I want to make in this program, sickness and disease do not always come upon us because of unforgiveness or because of sin in our lives. As the story of Job in the Bible teaches, sometimes sickness is the result of spiritual warfare. And here's an example. We were planning an outreach in Ramallah, not far from Jerusalem, a couple of years ago, amongst Palestinians. It was to be a healing service. It was to be in a gospel banquet on a Saturday night. Well, I called our Palestinian organizer to ask, is everything ready? Is everything set for Saturday night? Well, Christine, he said, tomorrow I have to go to the hospital for a tumor to be cut out that suddenly popped up from seemingly nowhere under his arm. I said, if you go to the hospital tomorrow, it's very likely you'll be hospitalized for sure, and you won't be in any position to go with us to the gospel meeting Saturday night. Have you prayed about it? I asked. He laughed and said, well, my wife said I should pray about it, but I haven't yet. Isn't that typical? So often we just coexist with a problem when immediately we should pray. So I said to him on the phone, let's pray right now. And I prayed a very simple prayer. I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, we command that tumor under his arm to die, to shrink, 
to disappear and pass away right now. And anything that's obstructing our gospel meeting, we ask the Lord to rebuke it in Jesus' name. Well, it was wintertime in Jerusalem, and he said he was wearing several layers of clothing under a jacket. Suddenly, the tumor just exploded. And he said all of the garments that he was wearing were soaked wet. But the next day, he went to the hospital as planned. And instead of being hospitalized, they sent him home with a letter saying the tumor had totally disappeared. Hallelujah. And we had our gospel meeting, and many lives were touched. But if we had not prayed, he probably would have gone the normal route of surgery and a stay in the hospital would have canceled our meeting. So that was a case of sickness due to spiritual warfare, plain and simple. The main point I want to make is that blessings don't happen by accident. They happen on purpose because someone is willing to believe God, to pray, and to put his word into practice. We have to pay the price to train ourselves to believe God. The Lord is the high priest of our confession. So let's watch what we say. And Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14 is such an important verse. It's becoming more important to me day by day. It says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings that you may be blameless. The children of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse a wicked generation, among whom you should shine as stars in this world. So time is where many of us miss it. We might believe God for a day, for a week, but Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Truly I say to you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things that he says, shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. So to summarize, what is the Lord's attitude to sickness? It's righteous anger, rebuke. It's also compassion. He's a willing healer. What is his attitude to demonic activity? Again, righteous anger and rebuke. And what is the Lord's attitude to sin? He's willing to forgive, and he forgives all the time. You and I are not going to break down. We're going to have a break up. We're going to have a breakthrough because the Lord has given us the wisdom to depend on him and his word. Our times demand total dedication, determination to develop emotional strength to endure end-time hardships. Let's be brave and courageous to accomplish exploits. That's what separates the men from the boys. Let's have a look now at some of the video highlights of our gospel festival from India, where we saw over 8,000 responses to the gospel and nearly 200 healing testimonies in this particular festival.
I hope you've enjoyed watching this edition of Exploits. All of our programs are available to watch again on the internet at exploits.tv. Our programs are available 24-7 also at our YouTube site. And if you'd like to contact me, you may do so through our website. And while you're at the website, you can request our weekly email alert. Until next time, I'm Christine Darg reminding you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, be strong, and do exploits. Maranatha and Shalom. When you visit the Jerusalem Channel website, you can watch all our videos with closed caption subtitles. Select the closed caption logo at the bottom right corner of the video screen and select English. Jerusalem Channel Facebook page, you can select closed captions in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. The Jerusalem Channel YouTube site has closed captions in English. <laughs>